Go to your pantry, pick some packaging that you really love, and then go backwards all the way to the beginning. Try to figure out where that packaging was made, who has done the pre-media on that, what the work the brand has done to identify all the different elements that comes together into that you know, piece of packaging. So hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product and Packaging Powerhouse Show. I am your host, Megan Young Gamble, project manager, business owner, CEO, wife, sister, all of those things. But ultimately, I am an everyday consumer who loves products and loves the packaging and more. And so, guys, today's powerhouse guest is Adrian Fernandez, who is the VP of ESCO Solutions and one of my favorite partners as well that I've had the opportunity to collaborate with here at GLC. And so, Adrian, I would like to officially welcome you to the Product and Packaging Powerhouse Show. Well, thank you, Megan. It's just really great uh, being here with you and talking with your audience. Well, thank you. Likewise. And and it's funny how we're now here because we have some history almost the past year, you know, with us working together and everything. And I definitely want to talk about it. But before we talk about all of those details, I want to just have you share a little bit about who you are and how you actually got into your role. Sure. So you can say many, many years ago, I got exposed to product and I would say packaging when I work at Rubbermaid. At that point, it was Rubbermaid. Now it's Newell or Newell Rubbermaid. And at that point, I worked in product management. So I spent almost 11 years in kind of progressive roles. And part of my responsibility then was develop the packaging. I remember working with packaging engineers and designers and so on. After that, I moved around almost 20 years ago to a company corporation called Danaher. Uh, and within that corporation, I work in VideoJet, which is basically the leading supplier of coding and market solution on packaging. Think about the expiration dates that you put in the filling lines. So I spent a few years there. Then I moved into x which also focused on the packaging industry. You know, we mostly color formulations and measurements, instruments, and software, again, for packaging. Then I went to Pantone. I was leading Pantone for four years, you know, kind of standard for graphic arts and textiles. And more recently, last couple of years, I joined ESCO. And now, as you mentioned, I'm working on software development for specifically for small and medium-sized businesses. And within that function or this role, about uh, in actually November, we launched a brand new cloud-based uh, product called Mox, which is a, basically a three-in-one artwork management solution that combines project management, online proofing, and digital asset management for small brands and for all the people that are helping the brands coming out with their packaging. I love that. And thank you for the introduction. And you have... So guys, if you didn't hear like his roadmap, his own personal timeline, I want to highlight a couple of things. One, he started off as a product manager, so creating the packaging to then transferring over into, X, excuse me, from Rubbermaid 
all the way over to Danaher, which is like the conglomerate company that owns Esco, Pantone, X-Rite and everything. And he went through the progression of all the different affiliate companies to now be the VP of technology, respectfully for all of Esco Solutions. But we, I know you mentioned Mock Software as well. So it's really interesting just to hear your progression within this packaging space from development to now graphics and technology. So my next question to you would be, if there was somebody interested in doing something similar or getting their first job within this industry, what piece of advice would you give them? You know, in our corporation, we truly believe on the value to go to what we call Gamba, which is where things are really happening. So mm. I would say, go to your pantry, pick some packaging that you really love, and then go backwards all the way to the beginning. Try to figure out where that packaging was made, who has done the pre-media on that, what the work the brand has done to identify all the different elements that comes together into that you know, piece of packaging and, mm -hmm. and really follow it through, almost like an investigation through it. Because there's so many people that are involved into this. I spend a lot of uh, time and effort, you know, brain power to that, to come up with that great artwork. Mm -hmm. I will emphasize the word art because there's a big component. I know we talk about technology and so on, but at the end of the day, we start with some concept, follow all this process to realize that concept into this great piece of artwork that sits, you know, and gets into our pantry. So that will be my advice. I think go see it. And then I think you will understand why this is such a great industry. You know, I think there's mm -hmm. a, uh, it's a dynamic, always challenging, always moving industry uh, that I think for all of us that are involved, uh, we really love it, even though many other people yeah. have no idea this thing exists. But yeah. for us, it's a, it's, it's a thrill. It is. And even with the challenges we experience every day, and each day is not the same as the prior day. So that's what I really love about this industry is because there's something new, something exciting different type of challenges that you experience and how to really convey those things onto your packaging because it is art. Art is the first, you know, packaging is the first impression of your brand, which is the art. It's the masterpiece to capture the attention of the brands and your consumers to then enjoy the product, which keeps them in your pipeline. So it's really interesting for you to just talk about that and just hear like, you know, how to get into the space. So thank you for sharing that. So Considering, you know, this new software that ESCO has come up with with Mox, share a little bit about this three-in-one tool that can really optimize the way people work and route their masterpieces of packaging artwork. So this is it's interesting because I'm kind of following up the comment I made before. To come out with really good packaging, you know, a combination of the structure as well as the artwork, you know, and marry them together in something that it works. It's a complex you know, even for a small company, this is a complex endeavor. It doesn't come, you know, easily. There's so many people with different domain expertise that needs to participate and collaborate and contribute. Okay, so what we have seen is that small brands, all of us, you know, have started with, oh, you know what, we send a few emails, you know, we get the graphic art, you know, designed to come out with the first pass. Then we try to bring people into the conversation with to collaborate with, you know, the ingredient list with the right colors, with the right components, the branding itself. As a company, as a brand gets bigger and there's more skews and there's skew derivatives and variations of one, 
you know, using generic tools hits a point of diminishing returns, okay? It just gets exponentially harder. And when things get harder, things happen. One is it takes longer. So speed to market suffers, okay? Second is everybody gets frustrated. Like it's really frustrated. There's a lot of anxiety that comes to that. And in some cases, unfortunately, that ends up in errors. And errors could help, could, you know, affect how something look on the shelf all the way to something get pushed out of the shelf. You know, if a retailer has a, sees a mistake, there could be fines, there could be recalls. Um, you know, I know this is not, not happened very often, but all of us in the industry have one or two examples that we can remember on the day the code <laughs> did not work. You know, we have the wrong ingredients or the wrong allergen, you know, mm -hmm. so we all remember and that happens, you know, naturally as we scale up. So part of our idea with Mox was to say, hey, for those companies that are getting that point or before they get that point, here is a fit for purpose, you know, easy to adopt solution that combines the three fundamentals that are needed to coordinate this collaboration effort. You know, one is the project management component, you know, okay, who is doing what at what time in the right order? Okay, and notifying the people that things are ready for you. Okay, so we don't get things get lost. Okay, the second part is the online proofing, which basically replaces or try to replace the old way of just having a printout that annotate, you know, we used to do when we were sitting in the same place. We, that doesn't happen that often anymore. Right. Okay. So I remember doing that in, in the router times, you know, everybody, you know, writing in the router. Okay, so replacing that with a digital version that can collaborate, so all the comments are in one place, you know, and, and everybody can see it. And then the last piece is the digital asset management, which is where to host the finalized file so the, and distribute it with the right permission to the right owners, you know, from the salespeople to the retailers, to the website, you know, e-commerce people that needs to use this, you know, for other purposes. So all those three things are in one place, in one price, if you want, and easy to adopt, intuitive. Mm -hmm. So we don't need, you know, to configure. We don't need to do a special training course, you know, and everybody can participate internal as well as external collaborators. That's another mm -hmm. thing. Small firms usually relies on freelancers, agencies, experts to complement what they have or they don't. So you want something that is flexible enough to pull everyone into one workspace. And that's, that's what Mox does. I love it. And guys, let me just say, if you have ever been the project manager or a packaging artwork manager coordinator that had to physically print out each artwork file, put it in a Manila folder and route it to get sign-offs and or comments from all the different stakeholders involved, you understand that that is time-consuming. There is a lot of misinformation. Um, going that route. There's not a lot of collaboration because one it goes to marketing, then marketing goes to brand, then brand goes to regulatory, all of those things, right? And it impacts, to your point, the speed of market of getting the files released, getting it to the printers, go through proofing processes, et cetera, to then also impacting, you know, the dynamic across the team. Because you're frustrated because somebody's out of office, somebody left early, somebody's in a meeting, oh, I didn't get to it, which causes bottlenecks for anybody, you know, part of the team to review. So having a centralized online website that can actually, excuse me, software 
that can really take those three elements into one is genius. And I've personally utilized mocks and utilized it and recommended for my clients too. And it's really easy guys to get set up. It's one low flat price that you pay per user per month, everything that you ever wanted to be in a system and ease of adoption and help with that change management process, Mox is for you. And I'm saying that based upon my own experience, working with regulatory, my packaging artwork coordinator, myself, clients, and more. So guys, definitely check it out um, at mocksoftware.com. So just had to give a little shameless plug to have them go check out the site. <laughs> so <laughs> of course, of course. So since we're talking about like this digital space and the software that you that Mox really offers and the different capabilities, what do you think is a way of optimizing the full packaging artwork process as a whole? So I think it depends in a way to the size of the company and the complexity that you're dealing. You know, I would say if you are into that, you know, SMB space and you're trying to, to grow and expand either the number of SKUs or the geographies that your SKUs are being sold or even the channels, maybe you started as a B, uh, you know, a DTC direct to consumer, and then now you're getting into retailer or you're in one retailer and you need to create different shapes to get into multiple retailers. I think having this artwork and structure management under control is fundamental. And, and using experts with the right software, it's a, it's, it's a must-have. You know, you don't want to have to deal with the headache of delays because you're not leveraging what already exists. You know, you want to spend more time, you know, getting into the next retailer, getting into something that is impactful on the shelf on the shelf from a design standpoint and not just chasing do I have all my ingredients you know and do I have all the allergens listed correctly that's one component the second component I would say that is important is find the right partners okay either if you're if you're working uh, with a copacker or copacker as well as you know co-manufacturer and the actual printer you know uh, printer converter that will will basically realize that packaging. Understanding, working with them to not only in the filling line, but more as importantly into how that is going to be printed, what is the right technology, what is the right trade-off into, you know, the number of units, you know, the the, the quality or the, the final aspect or realization of that. I think it's important to learn that because that also changes over time. Many people may start with digital printing, but then as the volumes get bigger, you can start moving into potentially, you know, flexography, photography, and so on. So there's some interesting dynamics going on and understanding how that works and what is the moment and what is the type of packaging that can go in those directions is important. It's a good evolution. And again, talking with the right experts that can guide you into that is so important, correct? This is not something you need to learn by reading a book. You can talk to the right, actually, you know, Megan is a good example of that. It's someone that can guide you into how to do these things. But it's important to get the right understanding on how packaging is designed and how it evolves over time, uh, you know, and the, and the role of technology as well as expertise. For that, I would say I would start there. If I have to talk to someone that is just trying to get, you know, beyond the garage, maybe we're talking about, you know, more of a medium-sized brand that is expanding, those were my two pieces of advice I would put on the table. I like that. And the biggest thing that I gained from that is having the right people at the table, because guys, you cannot do this solo. 
I don't care what scale of business you are, the larger you are, you really can't handle it. But even for startup brands, having the right people at the table, because you will gain a lot of insight. You will learn something new, you know, at these tables and at these conversations and knowing how to really communicate with internal and external stakeholders. So like the co-packers, the printers, suppliers, et cetera, they should be part of the table and the conversation in development. Okay, not when you're ready to release artwork or I'm ready to order my packaging now, they really should be part of those conversations much earlier to help you with setting up your files properly, to help you understand if I'm going digital print, which is one price point, to maybe going to flexography, litho, rotogravure, et cetera, which have different quantities than digital print. So guys, you need people at the table, okay? And even from a software perspective, getting them involved in the conversations to see are my files set up properly? What can I do to help with the speed, you know, help with the turnaround time to get it routed to the different team members and more? So guys, having the right people at the table is gold, okay? So you're hearing from Adrian, who's been on development all the way to technology. He's speaking the same thing that we're all saying. Have the right people at the table with you. Thank you for sharing. So since we talked a little bit about under high level, the different types of printing processes. So you have digital print, flexo, rotogravure, litho, and more. From your experience over the years, especially with Pantone and now on the ESCO side, what have you seen has been some common mistakes brands or company make with setting up their files and their color specifications, respectfully? Wow. Now you open an interesting uh, <laughs> kind of worms. I mean, color itself is, I mean, if you think about our work, Color is one of the four key elements, correct? You know, the fonts could be another one, you know, graphics and so on. So color is one of the things that can be really helpful. It can give you that pop on the shelf. It can give you that consistency of the brand across different flavors and, and so on. Uh, but at the same time, color could be a kiss of death if you don't execute it correctly. I have multiple examples of going to the shelf and I guess, you know, you have a trained eye so you cannot help yourself. When you're seeing side by side different print runs and you see difference in colors and i can tell okay but what the reaction of the consumer is this something off okay if the color is a little faded if the color look different you know in that kind of physical billboard that you're trying to get on the on retail you know people may either don't pick it or pick the one that looks better or just says you know maybe i need to go to some other option that looks better. The color and the presentation can signify quality, freshness. So you have to get the color right. So now let me tell you examples. I think that's where the importance of having that design artwork team early in the process to figure it out with clarity on what is going to end up in terms of substrate and print process can help predefine what color palette one can use. And this is where we're going to get a little technical but, you know, we can use something called CMYK, okay, versus spot colors, which is more, you know, kind of the, the stuff that we learn in kindergarten when you mix different colors and you apply it. So there's diff there's two ways, basically, you can get color done. And depending on, again, substrate, you know, unit quantities and the printing process you're going to do, you have availability of different ways of realized colors. Having that clarity on these elements and the advice into, okay, based on these variables, this is what you can do is so important. 
you don't want to realize this once you have this beautiful artwork that is impossible to realize. And, you know, let me give you a simple example. If you pick yellow, yellow is a nice color and so on. But if at the same time say, I want to have, you know, a, a craft base or a recycled board, you know, you can put yellow over and over and still going to look brown. Okay. I know it's obvious, but I have examples of people that look into this beautiful PDF on the screens. Okay, and say, you know what, I'm going to go recycle because I believe in sustainability and then kind of came out on the other and surprised that, you know, it just is yellow is not what I expected. So these are things that are presentable, uh, you know, if you catch it early enough, but I would say get into that conversation. And again, it's, it's this combination of basically these four elements I mentioned. What is the software? What is the print process? What type of inks are you using? And effectively, based on that, what choices are you making or how the color is going to be laid lay down? CNYK, spot color. Have that conversation with the experts so you don't have headaches or surprises. Listen, okay, I had a client come to me because of that issue, she was going with a craft corrugated substrate. She wanted, she had really bright neon colors, like a neon orange or something. And she was disappointed that the neon orange color came out more of like a brownish color. And I was like, well, who was your designer? I hired somebody to do, well, did they have any context of what type of box or packaging you were utilizing? No. I was like, well, that's, to your point, problem number one, because if they don't know the type of substrate, they're just going to create what you ask them without any greater context of the materials, the type of colors, the printing processes, who's your printer, and you asking about the different inks, to your point, they won't know. So they're just going to put something on there, not knowing it's a craft corrugated box that's going to be brown. So you have to have the right people at the table and talking about these elements much earlier in development is critical because that determines your pricing, that determines speed to market for production, that determines how quickly you're able to route it to the internal stakeholders and alignment because they know, okay, it's going to be this type of substrate with this type of color process, excuse me, this type of color, this type of printing process and more. So guys, ultimately you heard it from Adrian directly from his own experience and what he's seeing guys. So make sure the design team owns it but making sure you're tapping into those four critical elements that he outlined to ensure that you're not paying for something and not getting what you're envisioning for your product. Okay. Yeah. And think, Megan, the other thing I want to say is, you know, I, when I was in Panton, I had the chance to work with a lot, a lot of designers, you know, from individual freelancers, all the way working in agencies, all the way working in-house studios at brands. And one thing that I learned is that designers have a, an array of services they can offer, you know, as a graphic designer. Not everybody, not every designer have packaging experience. That's so that's true. a question that you want to ask. Is this yes. like a lawyer? You know, like there's a lot of expertise in different aspects of law or accountants and so on. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you know you're going to be asking someone, you know, and part of your, let's say, offering will be packaging, work with a designer that has that background because the designer would naturally ask you these questions mm -hmm. if the design is not asking this question and it's coming out with great design there's something off <laughs> yeah that would be my way to say you know they should be asking okay what do you intend to do with this now if you're doing just general branding okay whatever we can but even then you have to have an idea how you want to apply this branding those are fundamental mm -hmm. questions and that will determine you know what are the 
uh, the palette, the tools that the designer can use, because then it's a matter of realization. Uh, so I think that that's another way to say, do I have the right people on my table? Uh, to Megan's point. Y'all heard that, right? Okay, so I just want to make sure y'all heard that correctly. You know, for the people in the back, like we're saying it loud for you all that are in the back, have the right team members in place, okay? So very, very good point, Adrian, in reference of asking that key question to a product graphic designer, okay? Make sure they have experience. Thinking about like, you know, some of the issues you've seen over your years of experience with artwork, packaging, routing, color, color could be a whole nother segment in itself, you know, what would you say within mocks brands and companies are able to see in the online proofing? Like, can I see the different type of colors that are laid out from my product designer? You know, can I see different layers? So share with me a little bit about what some things brands and companies can expect on like the online proofing part of mocks. So the online proofing, Megan has two components that are both of them very important. And sometimes, to be fair, it's hard to even see it if you have a printout. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first one is the Mox viewer, which, by the way, is the one that, you know, ESCO has multiple versions of this, and all of them have a similar uh, architecture and, and feature set, allows you to see on any given piece of artwork in a PDF, what are the different colors, you know, the different layers of the colors, and you can even turn it on and off. So let's say you have CNYK plus two, you know, two Pantone colors. You can kind of quickly click them in and you can see how the designer has defined them to be layer, layer. And you can see, is this the way you want? Is this when you want your Pantone color? Like, do you want the Pantone color to be, for example, to highlight a particular flavor and drive consistency across many packaging? Or you want to actually, you know, put more emphasis on the brand? You know, do you want the brand color to be the Pantone color or both, you know, if you, again, mm -hmm. depending how many passes you can do. Uh, so that mocks allows you to see, you know, again, you don't need to be an expert. You can just quickly see clicking in and out and see, okay, how this has been designed. And this is what I expected to do. And how consistent it is with other packets, you know, other artworks that I'm doing. Uh, Mox also has some other tools allows you to see, you know, is the barcode readable, uh, you know, is the, you can size different things, you know, one advantage of having a physical sample, you know, is you can actually pull a ruler and start checking when Mox has built in rulers, so you don't need to print it, you can measure things right there. The second big advantage of, of Mox uh, from an, the online viewer is the side-by-side -side revision compare. Okay, so let me explain what this is, you know, in how it used to be with the routers. So the first router will come, everybody, product manager, you know, branding, everybody would just write, you know, with, you know, sketch in the thing, change this, move mm -hmm. this, move that. Then the second come, the second route version will come and literally you have two side by side, the old one with all the notes and the new one. And you will check, kind of move your head back and forth trying to see that what you ask and other people ask got changed. Yeah. So it's kind of fine, you know, one of those magazine games where you have two pictures and can you see the difference in yeah. the type of game? <laughs> and I tell you, if you're changing a small ingredient with the font is really small, you may not even notice. And by the way, it may be wrong in the second version as much as it was in the first one. 
So the, what Mox does is have different side-by-side -side comparison that allows you to toggle so you can see the prior and it will turn on and off the changes so you cannot miss it. You don't need to look for it. It will just show it to you. So then everybody can quickly see did the changes that were asked are in place in the right way. Okay, and that saves time and gives you the peace of mind uh, to see, you know, if anything is missed, you can catch it because now you see, or if anything was changed, but not the way you want it, you can hit it again. I mean, over time, and this is something that we talk with different customers is you're trying to reduce the number of rounds. And I, another thing I remember, I remember seeing four copies, hard copies keep coming and coming because we never hit it or something got missed. You know, if you do it in one place and everything is clear, you have a chance that maybe in two rounds you get it done. And this goes back to the point of speed to market and also labor efficiency. You don't want to have your legal team looking at labels over and over. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're paying them to do something else other than just looking at labels. Uh, so, in a way, it's everybody gets more time back to do either more labels or to work on some other things. And that's the advantage of reducing the amount of rounds that a particular artwork needs to be sent out. So those are the two things, uh, Megan, I would say you get with a, a solid online proofer for specifically designed for packaging. I love that. I love that. And guys, everything that he mentioned are some of my top features of the system that I like about Mox. So being able to scan the UPC barcodes within the proofing system is gold because who wants to release artwork, expect the printers or co-packers to have the right systems in place to make sure it's scannable. Like that should be on the brand, you know? So I love that feature, the side-by-side -side view to be able to see what changed from round one to round two. And the biggest thing of it all from a collaboration standpoint is seeing who approved the file with their annotations and who rejected the file with their annotations. So it's a lot of great features within the whole mock system, but within the online proofing, that is where you're in the sandbox playing with internal external teams. And everything is timestamped in real time. And you able to see everything all in one dashboard without scrambling with your different folders, what changed from round one to round four, why we keep reviewing this artwork again for the fifth time and more. It helps you all to really optimize your workflow and keep everything centralized for that collaboration. So I love it. I love it. So how can people learn more about Mox and get set up with you all? So Megan, the easiest way is to go to uh, Mox website, which is moxsoftware.com. So moxsoftwarealtogether.com, moxsoftware.com. You know, that the website really works as much as a brochure, live brochure with a lot of images, GIFs and so on. And also the advantage is you can quickly sign up for the trial, you know, without credit card, nothing. You can be in the tool in five minutes, okay? And experience that yourself. So we mm -hmm. wanted to make that very easy for people to read about it, you know, you know, sign up for a trial. Also, you can click for the, you know, with the demo you know, for the demo and within 24 hours, actually you can pick immediately when you want to have the demo. And we have some really, really, I would say experts in the industry, you know, a couple of people that work for us uh, that we all rotate and help. By the way, you know, if someone is doing Spanish, I'm the official uh, demo <laughs> person in Spanish. So I do that too. Uh, and the idea is not so much as selling, this is more of explaining how it works and how quickly we can help with the change management 
that really a software like this you know, requires. And I think if anything, that has been one of the potential challenge, especially as the comp, you know, brands has grown to a certain size, kind of everybody jumping at the same time into the new mm -hmm. tool, that sometimes becomes more of an issue than the tool itself. Yeah. So we also provide advice into, hey, how do you progress through that? How do you do a small pilot so everybody can see, experience the tool, get convinced, map out the changes from the manual current system into, into MOX and then evolve into a full adoption. And we are very helpful. We are, we are very happy to help into, into that process. We have uh, some videos in YouTube. So if you go into YouTube and look for MOX by ESCO, you can find some of these how-to videos and an explainer. But I will start from the website. That's probably the, the, the easiest path. I love that. And guys, I will put all of the links that Adrian has mentioned down in the show notes for you all. So you can get signed up with your own free trial and start working and optimizing the way you work in as little as five minutes. It's literally that easy, guys. So thank you for sharing that, Adrian. And one of my other questions I want to ask you, just giving like our full conversation today, so which has been really insightful. So considering your experience, development, to color, to now systems, to help with the creation of beautiful packaging art work, what things do you see are doing well with different brands displayed on the shelf that other brands can start to think about with their upcoming expansion of SKUs, products, or global market expansion? You know, that's a interesting, it has evolved over time. And I think this is a little of a schizophrenic answer, but let me see if I can explain. Okay. okay. If you go in, into a supermarket, you go in the retail space, you'll see you can pick some cues that are specific for certain categories. If you see all the cereals, cereal is easy, you know, because you have folding cartons standing up. You can see that all the cereals, regardless of the brand, from Post to Kellogg and so on, they have some commonality how the layout is. And I think in a way, similar to the, you know, the, the user experience UX design, in a way they're leaning on a, hey, the brand, the, the consumer is expect, expecting to have serial presenting in a certain way. So you kind of need to comply with certain rules, but that's now, let me talk the other side of my mouth, but at the same time, you have to break those, you know, have to disrupt and be different, different yeah. enough to catch people's attention to say, this is different, this is new, okay, and give it a shot, okay? Mm -hmm. And again, this is where the, you know, transmitting the clarity of the value prop, what is unique about your brand, about your product is mm -hmm. so critical. And you have that, you know, billboard, you know, to make the story, the silent salesperson, you know, the fifth P in the, in the yeah. product, uh, <laughs> in the product mix that we talking about packaging. So in a way, it's kind of that in between, kind of the two extremes. On one hand, you need to kind of follow the space because otherwise people will not even notice it's cereal. Okay, mm -hmm. you have to say, hey, I'm cereal, but at the same time, I'm different. Okay, mm -hmm. and you have to hit that balance. And especially a lot of the startups have been pushing, you know, the organic, natural theme and so on. I, I think by now, my feel is like everybody caught up, even the big brands have their version of that. So I think things need to evolve. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure I have a good solution on what that looks like, but I'm telling you, I know as a consumer and I'm also as a, you know, as someone that studies retail, you know, for many, many years is that people will give you a shot to try something new. 
Okay, so put it out there. First, obviously, work with retail. You know, get the space in the in, in retail, and if you have a, a DTC following, you know, leverage that. Uh, but then make clear what is different about you. Uh, don't make it a mystery tour. I mean, sometimes you have so many other messages that is trying to be delivering in in the in the in the two seconds of truth. Okay, <laughs> so you know you want to try to punch it really quickly, and, and so people will give it a shot, and then hopefully you can drive the repeat purchase. That will be you know kind of my advice as I as I study this for for a few years. Okay, that's gold though, because to your point, it's a lot of brands making claims of we're seeing an influx in natural, organic. Uh, gluten-free, pita-free, uh, pita-free with the bunny logo. Um, we're seeing so many different things come out and it's like, everybody's doing that, right? Like what's, what makes you different from this next person where y'all both claiming organic and natural or whatever, you know, or plant-based. That's the big one I'm seeing right now is plant-based. You know, I think you do have a solution. Um, you want me to tell you what it is? Mox. You want to know? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's mock. So when you start routing and changing your, you know, packaging artwork from, you know, not having organic to maybe getting certified organic and you're start utilizing the logos, utilize mocks to make sure yes. you're updating it, you know, for your free of claims and your icons and your call outs. So that's your solution. <laughs> yeah. So I think, Megan, the one thing that I do want to mention that is coming very strong. Okay, and I wouldn't be surprised that we're going to see even more and more in packaging is sustainability claims. And I know it's a topic that, you know, you're, you're also very passionate about it. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be the next big thing where people mm -hmm. will, I mean, brands will be pushing the envelope to say, people, you can eat this. You should feel that you are not contributing to all the issues that we're seeing, you know, yeah. uh, that are counter sustainability. So somehow... <laughs> I know many people, many brands are already pushing it. I know there is also regulatory things that are pushing, but I think the next push is going to be on the branding in a more aggressive way. Yeah. Uh, not just a symbol in the back, uh, you know, but the symbol in the front is something mm -hmm. to signify, hey, this is the, 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 the list of the lower impact in the environment. And, yeah. and I can see this is going to actually, this is the next wave of creativity that all of us in this industry mm -hmm. will continue to push. And, and I'm really curious how things will shift that way. Uh, so yeah. so I, I, that if I have a prediction is I can see where people will start making that choice and you know not only organic or locally farm and so on, but there's gonna have that strong component on, am I hurting the environment when I yep. buy this product? That's kind of the, I'm betting is coming. It's gonna come even bigger than what it is right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we already have brands that are specifying, you know, made with recycled plastic or our PCR content is X percentage, you know, or we're now utilizing, uh, somebody talk, talked about this on a prior episode, like ocean bound plastics and stuff, you know, so we are starting to already see the messaging being incorporated on the packaging to help target that consumer. Like, Hey, Look at what we're doing with our packaging and the impact, you know, from a circular economy standpoint in the earth, planet, you know, but to that point, let me ask you, do you think some of it would be, is utilized from a marketing standpoint, or do you think some of it really is sustainable packaging? It's going to play both ways. Same with organic. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, everything is natural organic, and I don't <laughs> want to start double clicking on that. Uh, I think here... 
I think it's going to start maybe a little more of a marketing noise, but then, uh, you know, it's, it's going to start getting a foundation or a stronger foundation in reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the good news is some, there is a, a level of overlap between driving sustainability in some cases with potentially, you know, lower cost. So, mm-hmm. you know, there could be a double whammy, a positive double whammy that can people play. I mean, it's just even simple, like, you know, just shrinking the packaging, you know, and still protecting the product, that, that's a way to do it. So, and there's tools, by the way, ESCO has some of these tools too, to help people go through that transition, okay? And, and get into something meaningful, not just a marketing claim, but a meaningful, measurable claim and mm-hmm. an impact. And then the question is how you message that out. Uh, how do you put that into the packaging all the way you know, from the retailer itself that also wants to participate and is pushing for this, regulators, but all the way to the consumer. That's where I think this is going. Yeah, most definitely. And we already have retailers who are putting new infrastructures and guidelines in place respectfully to sustainable packaging. You know, so like Target's rolling out, we would like brands to be recyclable by 2025 for their packaging. You know, you're starting to see Walmart make that transition. So you're starting to see the retailers get on board with sustainable packaging. But some of the brands are like, well, I want it. I want to be impactful. I don't want to just make, you know, marketing claims and such. I want more to it. But what does that look like? Can I really afford it? How can I start thinking about my retail strategy now? for the next three to five years. So I think to your point, it's a lot of things, you know, brands and companies, and we all have to be intentional about, but it's really with the brands and the companies, really understanding what is the intended use of the product, what's the intended use or end of life stage for packaging. You know, what does that look like to then determine the substrate materials, the color specs, type of printing processes, you know, to then create the finished good product. You know, so I I personally believe we still have a ways to go in sustainable packaging here in the U.S., but we're I think we're slowly making good traction over time, to be honest. So, well, with that, you know, um, you did share a fun fact with me, which is you are an avid film buff, right? That's correct. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to regret having uh, volunteered information. So let's see what this goes. Okay. So just based upon like some of your favorites, I always like to just do something fun, which is our power round. So it's just a quick 30 second power round asking you about some of your favorites and more. So I'm going to set the timer for 30 seconds and I'm going to ask you to name the movie based upon the infamous quote that I give you. So you ready? Okay. Let me set the timer. I think you'll get these though. All right. So the first quote is yo, Adrian. Okay. That's Rocky. Somehow I get that very often. Keep going. Okay. My mom's name is Adrian. So I heard that all the time. Uh, show me the money. Okay. That's uh journey. My water. Yep. Uh, this is chess, not checkers. You don't know. Okay, so he's won an Oscar, uh, African-American gentleman. Um, He played Malcolm X. He played on Glory. Oh, time's up. But he played on Glory. Um, Let's see, Man on Fire, Deja Vu. No, I know the actor. I don't know the movie. (laughs) Don't know the movie? It's Training Day. Uh, Oh, man, I love the movie. I just didn't know. Okay, keep going. Okay. And one more is I'll Be Back. Yes, that's Terminator. That okay. one I get. <laughs> like, see, it wasn't too bad, right? Relatively. No, that's fine. Three yeah, you got four. three out of that's four. Good. 
So those are good. So those are good. So with that being shared, guys, make sure you do follow and subscribe to our channel. And Adrian, thank you so much for being a powerhouse here on the show for today. Uh, so just let everybody know how they can get in contact with you. I think the best way is boxsoftware.com. And, you know, I'm reading everything that comes through. So you will find me. That's probably the best way to, to do that way. Awesome. Thank you, Megan, for inviting me. Yes. Well, thank you for being here with us. And I'll be back to our next episode here on the product and packaging powerhouse. So I'll talk to y'all soon. Mm -hmm.